If you've got a thirst for knowledge that never quits, Brightside Podcasts are just what you need. Whether you're into recent discoveries, space exploration, true stories, or useful tips for self improvement, psychology, gadgets, or just your day to day routine, there's something for everyone. Cold, snow, wind, and despair. Twelve people, two of them little children, stranded in the broken ice of the Arctic for over six months with no hope of rescue. Starving and desperate, the shipwreck survivors were looking strangely at the kids and thinking of the unimaginable. In 1913, anthropologist Wilhelmer Stephenson, only recently returned from an Arctic expedition, set out to prepare for another one. His aim was to study the peoples of northern Canada and the islands off the country's shores, as well as to map the blank region of the Beaufort Sea. He successfully received financing from several sources, but he was pressed to depart in June. That left him with less than six months to prepare, and although he later claimed he'd had enough time to foresee everything, that was hardly the case. Eventually, the expedition included two parties. The northern party, headed by Stephenson himself, was to explore the white spots on the map, while the southern party, led by zoologist Rudolf Anderson, was tasked with anthropology studies on the islands. Bad omens began appearing even before departure, though. There were disputes about the lack of provisions for such a daring expedition, and the trip leader's exact plans weren't clear to anyone, but all that paled in comparison with the northern party's ship herself. When Robert Bartlett, captain of the ship, saw the Carlock for the first time, he became extremely wary of the whole enterprise. It was a 29-year-old fishing vessel converted for whaling. Although it had a reinforced hull and had already been in the Arctic waters before, Bartlett, an experienced seaman, saw she wasn't fit to withstand being locked in the ice for long and wouldn't be able to break the ice either. Still, he agreed to take part in the expedition, not knowing it would be a fateful decision. On her way north, the Carluck was taking newcomers on board. First, Stephenson took on 28 sled dogs and two Inuit hunters. When the ship was trapped in ice for some time, he took a foot trip to the nearby island, where he brought his old-time friend John Hadley and two more native hunters. One of them took his wife and two little daughters, seven and two years old. Then, finally, the ship sailed east to the meeting point. All the time, however, the ice was so tightly packed that they literally had to maneuver their way. It was clear they wouldn't be able to make it north, as had been planned, but the reality was much worse. On the morning of August 13th, more than halfway to their destination, the pack ice quickly came from all directions and locked the carluck. Try as they might, the crew wasn't able to move the ship. She was stuck for good, moving only where the ice flow would take her. Several weeks passed. The expedition had ample provisions yet, and they were hunting for food too. But when the ice drifted, they were taken further with it. On September 20th, after four days of staying in one place, Stephenson decided to go over ice to the nearest island and hunt caribou deer there. He took five men and 12 dogs with him, left instructions for Captain Bartlett, and left, hoping to return in 10 days. For the first two days, the weather stood calm. On the third, however, a snowstorm came, and with it, the ice started moving. The ship was carried by the flow for several weeks, and the ice could break up and crush the carlock at any moment. 
but were still, as they drifted further away to the west, they all knew that Stephenson and his hunting party wouldn't be able to return. The drift continued for a month, then another one. With a heavy heart, Captain Bartlett ordered everyone to prepare to abandon ship at a short notice. And it proved to be the right decision. In the early morning of January 10th, the crew woke up to a huge shudder throughout the ship. The hull was torn apart by a chunk of ice. Everyone hurried onto the ice, carrying essential provisions and equipment. The Carlock sank the next day, and the 25 people, two of them little children, were stranded on the treacherous ice of the Arctic. The team set up camp and made plans for a march to Wrangell Island, which they thought was several days' walk from there. They sent out a four-man scouting party, but two weeks later, only one of them returned, bearing news that the land they saw was Harold Island, not connected to bigger land. The other three members of the scouting team never came back. Upon the return of the only scout, another group of four people, unhappy with their captain, came to Bartlett and announced they were leaving on their own. They asked for provisions and assured him that he wouldn't be held responsible if anything happened to them. Bartlett agreed, and they left the next day, never to be seen again. Seven people fewer and with two kids on their hands. Captain Bartlett knew he had no time to waste. He ordered everyone to gather supplies, and when they were ready, the party began moving to Wrangell Island, which, as they now knew, lay in the opposite direction. They thought it would take 40 miles, but in reality, the distance was twice as long and much more dangerous than they expected. All in all, the party, divided into smaller groups for speed, spent three weeks on the move. The ice ridges were tall and menacing. The ice was constantly creaking and threatening to break, taking them into an unpredictable drift. The people had to overcome extreme cold, blizzards, and eventually hunger. By March 12th, when they finally reached the shores of Wrangell Island, most of the party were too exhausted to proceed. The ordeal took the heaviest toll on the children. Although the Inuit were used to harsh conditions, The kids were still too small for such trips, and they got ill on the way. Seeing that, Bartlett took the youngest Inuit hunter who proved to be the sturdiest, and they went across the ice to the Siberian coast in hopes of getting to Alaska from there and bringing help. The rest of the party stayed in a makeshift camp. The morale among the survivors was extremely low. The food was getting scarce, the cold was bitter and the worst qualities of character arose in everyone in such conditions. The father of the Inuit family and other able men went to hunt, but even when they brought game, others suspected they didn't share everything. In the following weeks, fights broke out more and more frequently, and food was even harder to find. By July, they lost three more people. The situation was desperate, and the survivors kept to themselves as much as possible. Hunger was even worse than cold, and Karolok, the Inuit hunter, began noticing the weird and unnerving looks other men kept darting at his wife and daughters. No one knows what it would have ended if he hadn't caught a 600-pound walrus that provided the whole camp with fresh meat. But that wasn't enough to lift the spirits much. Another two months went by, and they were preparing for the winter on the ice, perhaps their last. But then, when all hope was lost, in the early hours of September 7th, 
The weary and apathetic people on the island were woken up by a strange sound, a whistle, somewhere far away. After a short while, it repeated, and the group went out of their shelters. At first, they didn't believe their eyes, but then exhausted but happy smiles blossomed on their faces. It was the King and Wing, a rescue ship that Captain Bartlett set for them. He made it to Alaska and immediately asked for urgent help. All 14 of the survivors were safely transported to Nome, Alaska. As for Stephenson, he survived as well, and by the time Bartlett arrived to America, he already set off for another trip. He returned four years later, claiming to have discovered three new islands. <laughs>